Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. God has been speaking since the beginning of time, since the opening words of creation. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God's word is powerful. Through it, all creation came into being. God said things like, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed. God's word produced abundance. God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. I love that phrase. God's word brought into being humanity itself. God said, let us make humankind in our image after our likeness. And once God's creative word had brought forth everything that is, God began to speak with the people that he had made. In Hebrews 1, verse 1, we are told that God spoke in many ways through the prophets, those people whom God appointed to speak on God's behalf. And here we might pause to remember the first person named in the Old Testament as a prophet, Abraham. And we might remember how Abraham actually lived his life in fear. He spent decades traveling around ancient Palestine, asking his wife to tell everybody that she met that she was his sister. Genesis chapter 2, or sorry, Genesis chapter 20, verses 12 and 13. The last activity we might expect of a prophet and his wife. And we might remember that in this story, it's the outsider, Abimelech, who claims integrity and is acknowledged for it by God. And yet, God identifies Abraham as his prophet. And after Abimelech seeks prayer for his household from Abraham, the prophet, the women of Abimelech's household are healed of barrenness. And in the very next verse, Sarah herself conceives the son of the promise, Isaac. The prophetic prayer requested by an outsider brings about blessing for everybody who's involved and is that point right before the son of the promise is conceived. What a fascinating prophetic story. Or we might remember that great prophet, Moses, the one about whom the author of Deuteronomy said, there has not arisen a prophet in Israel since, whom the Lord knew face to face. And yet, this was the same man who was so afraid of speaking that he refused to take up God's call on his life, even though God showed up to him in a burning bush. In fact, God had to give Moses his own prophet, Aaron, whom he calls the spokesperson or the prophet of Moses. It's only after this that Moses takes up his call to follow God and lead the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. Or we could recall Samuel, Nathan, Elijah, and Elisha. We might remember the great writing prophets such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. We might remember Miriam, Deborah, 
Hulda, and Noadia. If you haven't heard of her, you can look it up in accordance. And the traditions of the female prophets. That brings us all the way to the prophetess Anna, hanging out in the temple, the emphasis of Jesus. We might remember the company of prophets with no identifying names who were faithful to the Lord in the midst of challenging times. But as Hebrews says in chapter 11, time would fail me to tell of Samuel and the prophets. Through each one of these, God spoke to our ancestors, to those who came before us. Not only did God speak in a variety of ways through the prophets, but he also spoke in many parts. And here, if we had time, we might touch on the kinds of messages that God communicated through these prophets. Prophetic prayers, messages of hope, messages of victory, messages of judgment designed to bring people to repentance, words of calling, promises of covenant faithfulness, many, many types of prophetic messages that God communicated. But all these ways of speaking and all these various prophets that I've mentioned, they are merely prologue. They were the prologue that was spoken long ago to our spiritual ancestors, the Jews, the Israelites. Now, today, in these last times, God speaks singularly in a son. And as Hebrews will indicate in chapter 3, the son is a greater member of the household than a prophet. For a prophet is only a servant, and a son is an heir. In just a moment, we will unfold together what God says through the Son, but first let me make this one observation. The title of the sermon today is God Speaks. I chose that title because the main verb in this one long sentence, Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, it's just one giant sentence, is God Speaks. All the other verbs in Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 are contained in clauses Right, this is the little Greek lesson because the Bible prophet's preaching, right? They're contained in clauses that are subordinate to that main clause, that main verb, God speaks. But I also chose this title because this is the good news for us today. The good news is that God speaks. God is not silent. And I find myself pausing and giving thanks and just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you speak. Thank you that you've been speaking from the beginning of time. Thank you that you communicate with your people. Thank you that you communicate with outsiders like Abimelech and insiders like Moses. Thank you for all the prophets, for all the men and women who spoke your message faithfully down through the ages. Thank you for speaking. Thank you. And inviting us to be present in a space of gratitude. Thank you that you speak to us now in your Son. Since God speaks to us now through his Son, it's worth spending the rest of our time asking two questions. What's the Son like? And what is God saying through his Son? The key relationship at the beginning of Hebrews is the relationship between the Father and the Son. And the first identifying mark Who is this son? The first identifying mark is he is an heir. He's not just an heir or even the heir. He is the heir of everything. Everything that's made, everything that exists, 
is going to belong to the Son. The Son is also the means through whom God created the worlds. The opening verses of the Bible remind us that through God's word, all creation came to be. The psalmist describes this further, saying, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all their host by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea as in a bottle. He puts the deeps in the storehouses. This association between God's creative speech and the sun is drawn out in the opening verses of John's gospel, which we heard as well. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What is this sun like? He is the radiance of God's glory. God's glory in the Old Testament is often portrayed as his presence, his weight, the weight of his presence, or the light of his presence. And one of the things that's identifiable about it is that it's so great that it is unapproachable. When God's glory descends on mountains like Sinai, or when God's glory fills the first temple built by Solomon, these become unapproachable places. Now, however, this is amazing, right? Hebrews chapter 1. Now, however, God's glory is revealed in human form, in a son. One who can be seen, who radiates God's glory, God's weight, his beautiful divine presence. No longer is that glory contained in something unapproachable. Amen. Instead, it's made available to us in the Son, one whom we will come to know in the very next chapter as being fully human as well as fully divine. This Son is the exact imprint of God's very being. We all know these colloquial English phrases like, like father, like son, or he's the spitting image of his dad. Both of these English colloquiums only begin to touch on the resemblance between the Son and the Father. The Father is invisible to us, but the Son is visible. We can see that which is beyond our sight. We want to know what God looks like, what his being is like. We can look at the Father, and we can look at the Son, the one who is his, his, is his exact representation. The Son has been stamped with the image of the Father so that the Father's invisible substance may be seen. Do you have a favorite story from the Gospels? A story of Jesus? Whatever that favorite story is, it's a picture of the Father. What does the Son do? He does three things. He sustains all things by his powerful word. He made purification for sin. And he has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I want to take just a few moments to contemplate each one of these things that the Son does. First, he sustains all things by his powerful word. We already know that the Son's word is powerful. Through his word, all things were created. He was the means of creation. But Hebrews does not let us think that the Son's life-giving word was the sum total of his involvement. He remains involved in the world today, sustaining everything with his word. Creation is held together by his word. Our life together is sustained by his word. This is the power 
of, of the Son. Second, he has made purification for sins. This will be one of the major themes of Hebrews. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, became fully human, was tempted just as we are, but did not sin. God appointed him as a high priest so that he could offer the perfect sacrifice to deal with sin once and for all. And what was that perfect sacrifice? It was himself. The high priest comes before God, offering his own body, his own blood, to eradicate sin. The author of Hebrews puts it this way in chapter 9. He entered once for all into the holy place with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. So God is speaking right now through his son, and this is what he's saying. I want you to hear this really well. God is saying, my son has dealt with the problem of sin. Sin, lying, abuse, pride, hypocrisy, greed, gluttony, lack of compassion, misuse of power, thinking of ourselves as either better or worse than we really are, and on and on and on. Sin. The sin we do to other people and sin, the sins that have been committed against us. Sin, which spreads its stain over our whole world, our government, our relationships. Sin makes us unclean, unworthy, and unable to enter into the presence of the glorious, majestic, holy God. We become weighed down with fear and shame and guilt and impurity. But when God speaks through his son, what he says is, my son has taken care of it. My son has laid down his life as the perfect sacrifice so that everyone may be made clean, so that everyone may become like me and share in my holy life. He has made purification for sins, for all sin, for all that we have done and all that has been done to us. The third thing about what the Son does, he has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The Son's work is complete. The sacrifice has been offered and received. Sin has been addressed once and for all. No further sacrifice is needed. There should be a hallelujah there. <laughs> Cleansing has been made. And so we see the Son enthroned alongside the majestic one. When God speaks through his Son, he says, here is your king. All kinds of things will vie for your loyalty and my loyalty in this life. A nation, a political party, a boss, a parent, a spouse, all kinds of things will ask you for your loyalty and your allegiance. But all of these things are fallible. All of these things have the potential to fail. 
There is only one king who will never fail. There is only one king who is described as having a scepter of righteousness, a way of governing that is always right and always true and always just and always merciful. There is only one king who is anointed with the oil of gladness, and that is King Jesus. He is the shepherd king, the king who sacrifices his life for his subjects. He's the priest king, the king who intercedes for his subjects, the king whose throne is described as a place of grace. When God speaks through his son, he says, Behold the king, he is seated beside me. So what is our response? First, gratitude. Every day, give thanks that God speaks and that the world is sustained by the powerful word of his son. What is our response? Covenant faithfulness. Remain in right relationship with the one who sacrificed his life to achieve cleansing from sin. What is our response? Loyalty. King Jesus is the only object of our affection, allegiance, and loyalty. God speaks. God has been speaking since the beginning of time. God spoke through his prophets. Now God speaks through his son. And he says, if you want to know me, look at my son. He represents all that I am and radiates my glory. Together he and I created the world and he is sustaining it with his word. God speaks and says, my message to you is, I have taken care of sin through the sacrifice offered by my son. God speaks and says, my son has completed his work and is sitting in my presence on the great throne from which he rules. God speaks. He speaks through his son. As we move towards the table for communion, I invite you to listen to the son. Here at the table, we are reminded that Jesus has offered the perfect sacrifice for sin. Will you come to the table listening for that voice that says, I've taken care of it? Is there something you need to confess? Then come to the table, come to the altar, knowing that God has spoken and God has taken care of the problem, the stain of sin. Has someone committed a sin against you? Come to the table, listening for the voice that says, I've made purification for sin. Everyone can be cleansed. Are the sins that infest our world weighing on your heart? Come to the table, knowing that God is able to bear the sins of the world. Come to the altar to pour out the weight of your heart and the longing of your heart for a holy place before the God whose son offered the sacrifice that can cleanse the world. As we move towards the table, I invite you to listen to the son. In this world, we can have only one loyalty, one allegiance, and that allegiance is to King Jesus, who reigns alongside the Father. Our loyalty cannot be to a nation, or to a party, or even to our family, or friends, or even to one particular denominational strand of Christianity. Our loyalty is to Jesus alone. 
Will you come to the table listening to that voice that says, Behold my son, the one who reigns. Do you need to kneel again before your king to give allegiance to the one enthroned alongside God the Father? This is the good news. God speaks. Speaks to us now. He speaks to us today. He speaks to us through his son. The question for us is, are we listening? Let's pray together. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So this day, as we have heard this message from Dr. Reese, Come and listen.